Hey everybody, it's Ben from Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Friends. I just want you to know this episode unfortunately has less than perfect audio. Under the current circumstances with the quarantine and everything, we're unable to use my mixer and my microphones. We're having to record remotely entirely. So there are some audio issues with this episode. I will say in particular, there's a voice from another room that you're going to hear in the first couple minutes of this episode. I promise that goes away. And, there, you know, it's less than perfect, but the... The conversation is awesome. My guests were incredible, and I am so stoked to share this episode with you. So I'll shut up now and let you get to our discussion of Iron Man. How's it going? Welcome to Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Friends. My name is Ben, and this is the show where I talk about all things Disney Plus with friends. Plus friends. It's not just me. So today we're going to be talking about the 2008, I'll call it a modern classic, Iron Man. Mm. I'm so excited, and I have the perfect guest to discuss this. I have the, the hosts of the fantastic Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. MC Who. I've got Justin Barron and Andy Perkins. Justin and Andy, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Ben, yeah, this is awesome. To be here. It's going to be fun. So I know you guys, but the listeners may or may not. I want to kind of have a couple quick icebreaker questions to, to get you and the audience more familiar with one another, establish some intimacy, right? It's all about connections. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Intimacy. intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> so first question. What is your Disney Plus profile icon? Uh, you know, I let Deanna, my wife, pick ours, uh, and I believe at the moment it is Pumbaa. It's a good pick. That's yeah, good yeah. Pick. <laughs> it felt like us. We were just kind of vegging out all day, so yeah. like, yeah, this makes sense. That's true. That's so great. Pumbaa is sort of the uh, the patron saint of binge watching, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I actually I don't have a, a Disney Plus account, but if I were to have one, uh. I'm just gonna go with Timon, kind of round out the duo there. That's that's beautiful. That's, <laughs> it's, I think that that's beautiful. That speaks so highly of your friendship. What, what a beautiful <laughs> yeah. gesture! Uh, somebody, somebody, share your password with Andy. Let's hook this guy up. He's got to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this mean, I don't want to get in the weeds here, but. Have you not seen The Mandalorian then? I have not. No, I've oh only my, my only experience oh my is all the Baby Yoda memes. Well, okay, <laughs> then you're getting sixty three percent of it, but still, <laughs> still, all right. So, uh, similar question, but let's build upon it. Who would be on your Mount Mousemore? So, like Mount Rushmore, but but Disney. Who would be on your Mount Mousemore? Who are your presidents? Mm. Oh man, that is that's an extremely hard question. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've thought about this in so many different angles and I think I just have to land on some. So, I mean, I think kind of going from each of the, each of the four big, you know, houses, I would say, uh, I think this is a good technique, by the way. I, I yeah. appreciate this strategy. Yeah. Um, so Simba, Simba of the Lion King has Ooh. meant a lot to me growing up it was like lion king was like my favorite movie and so i mean that one i would be dumb not to put that one on there just because it's real quick though logistic question is it young simba or adult simba <laughs> great it's question great question it's, it's definitely uh old simba like adult okay simba. A, l- a little more regal a little more regal, <laughs> regal that, that scene you know going up on pride rock and and just like the right ra- 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's so good. Uh, going over to Marvel, I would I would definitely put Spider Man up there. Um, yeah. That's you know uh, my favorite. So. Uh, and then the hard ones. So Star Wars, oh man, it's like I would put Obi Wan up there because uh, Obi Wan's my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, but I he feel like he probably looks the most like a U.S. president. That's true. I feel <laughs> that's like, true. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's a little too mundane. But I guess I mean I don't know. I, I guess with the other with the other three, it'll look fine. So yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead and put Obi Wan Kenobi. And then Pixar. I think I think my favorite Pixar has got to be. Sully from Monsters Inc. Ah, uh, uh, nice. I, I'm a big Monsters Inc. fan. Uh, so yeah, that'd be my four. I love it. I respect it. Absolutely, Andy. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna go Belle, Beauty and the Beast. Okay, um, nice. She's one of my favorites. One of my favorite Disney. I guess not technically a princess, but uh, I guess at the end, she's I, I a think, princess. I was going to say, I think she falls, can't, canonically, she is a Disney princess. I believe that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for the Star Wars section, I'm going to go R2-D2. I think he's just yeah. big time MVP. Um, yes. For sure. Um, Pixar. My, yeah, go ahead. I don't think I've brought this up on the podcast yet, but my daughter is... My wife would disagree with this, but my daughter's named after R2-D2. Her name is Ruby <laughs> Diane, and uh, she is girl number two, so she yes. is R2-D2 in my heart. Yeah, That is amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's so good. So good. <laughs> um, oh, what else is there? Oh, yeah, Marvel. Um, yeah, I I mean, he's a founding father, and it's what, the, what we're going to be talking about today, so I think I got to go Iron Man. Uh, right on. So mask on, mask on. Iron Man, not Tony Stark. Yeah, for sure, for okay. sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Pixar. Um, you know, growing up, uh, Toy Story was uh, pretty near and dear to my heart, especially since my mm -hmm. name is Andy. Um, oh, so, uh, I bet. Yeah, I didn't even so think about that. I'm picking Woody. All right. Nice. No, this is great. I, I, uh, this is an excellent list as well. I absolutely, you guys, I, I think I haven't done this myself yet, but I think I would follow your strategy of picking one of each of the main camps. Justin in particular, I was curious to see if you just picked for, like, if you just did the Avengers, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or I guess maybe some new Avengers with Spider-Man. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, let's get into the, we're talking about Iron Man today. What is your guys' history with this movie? Do you remember when it came out? How were you feeling? How many times have you seen it? Well, just, mm. just broadly, what is your history with this movie? Uh, I'll go first because I, my, I believe my story will probably just be a little shorter. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, probably true, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, actually before um, the Marvel movie started to come out, you know, I wasn't really too big into to comics. Um, you know, I, I watched superhero movies, um, you know, definitely saw the, the Batman movies and things like that. Um, but, uh, I just remember it kind of blowing me away a little bit, uh, when I first saw it, um, got really hyped and it kind of, yeah, it just kind of hooked me and kept me coming back for more, obviously with, uh, the rest of the Marvel universe. So, um, it was, it was what snared me, I guess. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, yeah, my, <clears throat> this movie has meant a lot to me. This is, um, so this movie came out 2008. It was my sophomore year of high school, um, which 
in Olathe, where I grew up, that's your first year of high school. Because uh, when you're a freshman, technically, you're still in junior high. It's weird. Got it. Got it. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I met, I made a bunch of new friends that year and this movie came out like right at the end of that year. So it was very like, uh, um, I don't know, it just kind of felt like growing up a bit, you know, and this was the first of that, of that kind. And I remember, uh, going to the, I went to the midnight premiere, uh, the Thursday night oh, wow. midnight premiere back when they still did midnight premieres, you know, uh, the <laughs> night before. Um, and it was my first one. And I went with some friends, which was, again, a big deal. Uh, and I'll never forget. This is my, my favorite movie theater experience of all time. Uh, I'll never forget the, the energy of that crowd. Like, all of us just being huge, huge fans, huge Marvel fans, and none of us knowing how this was going to turn out, um, uh, you know, with Marvel Studios going out on their own and doing it. Uh, and so uh, the, the energy was so electric in that room, and that's... That's honestly one of my favorite memories of my whole life. Uh, but on top of that, Iron Man is just uh, growing up. Iron Man was my favorite uh, superhero. Um, I have a decently large collection still of <laughs> Iron Man action <laughs> figures. I think both of you have seen them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I, it, the movie sits with me as an all time favorite because of all those things. That's fantastic. I, uh, I honestly, you're. I this is this will sound like a silly way to say it, but I know you know what I'm talking about, and and movie fans, true movie lovers, know what I'm talking about. Your story of it being such an important moment is is beautiful, and I think this quarantine uh, has really probably caused some people for the first time in their lives to recognize how important going to movie theaters is, and that movie going experience, and physically being there. And maybe it's not true for everybody, but I know as a cinephile myself. It's it's like a church and it, uh, you know, I I miss being able to I already miss seeing movies in theaters and mm -hmm. it's important to support movies. It's going to be a really hard time for movie theaters. Oh, shameless plug to Screenland Armor. If you live in Kansas City, love it. Please support them, uh, especially mm -hmm. once this is all over. Go see movies there. But yeah, I, I'm with you it, when you have a really informative uh, movie going experience. It sticks in your brain. You can remember which movie theater it was. You can remember which seat you sat in. You can remember what snacks you were eating, and um, I, I, I totally feel that. I don't think I saw this opening night, but I, I think I saw it opening weekend or darn close. Sure. I'm, I mean, I'm a pretty pretty big Marvel fan, and I was pretty stoked about this movie coming out. Uh, I, I do want to give some context. 2008 is a really great year for popcorn, big-budget movies. This movie was actually only the eighth highest-grossing film of 2008. <laughs> so this had a... a a budget of 140 million plus uh, i'm sure a lot more from marketing grossed over 585 million worldwide so huge huge hit and yet it comes in eighth behind the dark knight yep. indiana jones kingdom of the crystal skull oh, really? <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> uh, kung fu panda og okay. hancock mama hancock. mia Ma madagascar 2 quantum of solace then we got iron man and then wally Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, a couple others that year. We have the Simpsons movie. I think I'm, oh. I'm almost positive oh, with it as well. Uh, so there's, this is a really great year for just like fun yeah. popcorn movies. Uh, Indiana Jones 4 excluded. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, who I, one of my favorite film critics, because I think he understands what a popcorn movie is and what he always considers what a movie's trying to do. He gave it 3.5 out of 4 
which uh, I will say I checked. This is the exact same uh, that he gave to the Dark Knight, 3.5 out of 4. He said, it's been years since a movie superhero was this fierce and this funny. All praise to acting dynamo Robert Downey Jr., who brings so much creative juice to the party that Iron Man achieves instant liftoff. Even if you know diddly about the character Marvel built in 1963, Downey and director John Favreau, who was just the right swinger for the job, mm-hmm. get you up to speed pronto. Uh, yep, so he loved it. He was right. <laughs> uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, 94% rating for critics, which is very high for a, a superhero mm-hmm. movie. 91% audiences, which kind of surprising to me that this has an even higher score with critics than audiences. Yeah. Uh, I would have expected the opposite, but regardless, <laughs> over 90% on both. Was nominated for two Oscars, sound editing and visual effects. Lost It lost sound editing to The Dark Knight, which, I mean, hard to yeah. argue with that. And then visual effects. It lost to, I don't think this ages very well, it lost to The Curious Case of Benjamin Button for visual <laughs> effects. I, wow. I kind of disagree with that. So uh, that's It a doesn't quick age very well. It ages in reverse, actually. And, oh, oh, Andy. <laughs> 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 Oh, man, that is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yes. So with that, uh, we'll, we will uh, we'll move on to just talk about our favorite parts. So this podcast, I want to emulate the way that friends just talk about movies. And I think a huge part of that, if you're just sitting around with friends, having a beer, talking about a movie you just saw, you don't break it down, plot synopsis. You don't, you know, overly critically analyze it. You just talk about mm-hmm. your favorite parts first. So what are some of your favorite parts of this movie that you guys just can't wait to talk about? I, to start off, I, I love the way they introduce Tony Stark. Just the opening is so, so glad you said it. it it's, it's perfect. It's so great. Just, just sitting in a, in a Humvee with, with the, the, the fun V, excuse me, the yeah, fun V drinking, yeah. uh, just shooting the shit, uh, back in black by ACDC. Yeah, oh playing. my God. Uh, the score is so good. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and go, cutting from that into, uh, even to like the flashback at the casino and all of those moments, just, just getting to know Tony Stark and, and specifically Robert Downey Jr.'s like version of Tony Stark, which becomes iconic is, is just uh it's an amazing opening. It's such a great introduction. And mm. it's so easy for us in the future who have context to forget that in 2008, unless you were a pretty big Marvel fan, you do not know who Tony <laughs> Stark is. Right. You might know who Iron Man is, but you don't know who t- Tony Stark is, what Tony Stark is like. And this script does such heavy lifting so fast. What one thing that I I really love about it is yes, I'm with you just the whole first what I don't know ten minutes does a great job of informing us. But specifically, even that first very first scene in the fun V when the bomb goes off, what we notice is it cuts to Las Vegas 36 hours earlier, and we kind of get this like presentation because he's getting this mm-hmm. award that talks about uh you know a, it gives us a really in depth look at him, and I think. That even though we're getting this like TED talk about who Tony Stark is, <laughs> we learn more about him before just by watching him talk and 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 watching that you know that swagger and how he interacts with people. And I think that that's truly incredible directing, writing, and acting. You get yeah. the trifecta of all yeah. three of those in that first. Season. Yeah, for incredible. sure. Incredible. 
and that presentation, you know, it's it's the factual information, it's the factual backstory. Yes. Um, but actually seeing him, you know, that's that's his personality shining through, and that's gonna like lay the groundwork for the kind of the origin story journey that we get throughout the rest of the movie. Absolutely, yeah. D- does the Wikipedia page make the man? You know, right. right. <laughs> Speaking of that origin story, I think that to this day. I, Justin, you might know the number off the top of your head. How many movies we are into the MCU? Uh, is 22. It? Uh, 22. Yeah, I believe. Jesus. I, I still think this is one of the absolute best origin stories of the entire saga, yeah. personally. And I think it's because the stakes are very real. They are so literally life and death. And I think that what's really cool about this movie is that Tony, a lot of the other origin stories are about something happening to a person and their life being physically altered, mm-hmm. it altered in, in a very sometimes even at a chemical right. level in the case of, you know, Bruce Banner. And I think that it's fascinating that his origin story is so psychological and what happens to him it impacts him physically to a degree, yes. His his heart is changed physically, but the fact that his heart is changed poetically, you know, philosophically speaking, is way more true to the origin of what Iron Man becomes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is why this stands up as one of the two or three best origins in all of Marvel. What, what do you guys think about that? I completely agree with you, yeah. I think, yeah. Go ahead, Andy. I was trying to, well, I was just trying, now, now I'm just trying to rack my brain of all the different origin movies. And uh, yeah, if you were to just ask me, my first impulse would be to say Iron Man, because none of the other ones are kind of even popping into my head clear enough to stand against it, because it, it is, it's just so perfectly crafted, I think. Yeah. And it, yeah, it it's it kind of set the stage for the rest of the whole cinematic universe. I mean, it, we probably wouldn't have all... All, all of these other movies if it if that movie wasn't as good as it is i would say um the only two uh you know characters that we've seen so far in their origin stories that uh don't that don't like physically change like w- going with what you're saying earlier been about uh you know i mean captain america obviously changes doctor strange changes ant-man finds a suit right. uh you know there's all these different things that kind of change their circumstances for them i'd say the only two that i think uh, that 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 change on their own are are Tony Stark and Thor, and mm-hmm. I think Thor is is a is a good origin story, but it's not. It just it doesn't hold up to Tony Stark because uh, I don't think it's as relatable. I think it's a little more fable. Yeah. It's a little more like um, sure. you know a fallen god or you know that that whole uh, uh, like I've seen this story before, that kind of thing. And Tony, I mean, maybe it's just, it's the writing, it's RDJ, I'm not sure, but there's something that is super just in touch and in focus, that whole, the whole film. Well, the reason I love it so much is that it's, it's not about overcoming something. It's actually about taking it head on. Like you said, Ant-Man finds a suit. Iron Man says, I have to build Mm -hmm. a suit. Because there is wrong in the world, wrong that I have caused, mm-hmm. and I have to, I have to turn that around. And that's such a more proactive choice. And I just, I just find that fascinating. And and I think you're right. Robert Downey Jr. deserves a lot of credit. The the writing deserves a lot of credit too. But it it's it's hypnotic, and it's it it, it is why 22 movies into this kaleidoscoping masterpiece, 
we still keep coming back to square one as as yeah. a touching stone. It's incredible. I want to talk about the Jericho mm. test. I think this is a great mm. scene. So it shows us who Tony is at his core, and it also shows us who Tony is on the surface. And I love these moments that we get before the inciting incident, before the tragedy, because we do get to see how there are a lot of similarities. He changes, but he doesn't change that much. You know, there's he changes about 15%, but that 15% is important. And I just love, uh, you know, he says something like, like uh, my, my dad always said uh, the, the best tool for peace was uh, carrying mm-hmm. a big stick. Or, right. Ha- the uh, guy with the big, the having a bigger stick than the other guy. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he launches it off and it, and it blows up this, you know, he, he turns around and poses mm-hmm. like almost like he's like conducting an so orchestra good. and it's, it's this great massive moment. And then he busts out these Halliburton coolers <laughs> and he's like, I'll throw in one of these for every order of 500, uh, 5 million or more. <laughs> and I just, I remember seeing that scene on David Letterman when Robert Downey Jr. was promoting the movie. Mm. And that was the moment where I was like, I have to see this. <laughs> like, yeah. are you kidding? And uh, how how cool. I mean, that seemed so cool. I remember seeing it would have been like probably spring 2008. This one scene on a talk show. And I didn't I'm not the kind of person who sits down and watches talk shows. I'm sure my parents are watching it and I caught it out of the corner of my eye. And it was like, oh, no, 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 this movie, I have right. to see it. It's it just such a great moment. And, and the movie is is full of those, you know, like there's the writing is so top notch and, and and structurally it's they tell us such a good story that I think like I, I was racking my brain earlier, like, OK, what are my favorite parts of this movie? And I came up with right. too many, too many. Because there's so many. <laughs> I have three pages yeah. on a legal pad. I'm like, I'm like, it's like I'm. I'm having to toss stuff out that's absolute gems, so this isn't a four-hour-long yeah. podcast. Same, <laughs> same boat with with best quotes. We'll get to that right. later on in the conversation. But like, I it, the whole the best quote is can can you right. just quote the whole movie? That, that's every quote, scene you know? <laughs> has three that are just amazing that are so that are you know memorable and and I mean it's it's wonderful. I do think a truly iconic segment. So not just one scene, but just like a, a series of scenes. It's what I'm going to call the mm-hmm. jailbreak. So when, yeah. when Tony and, and Jensen orchestrate the actual escape uh, from the prison in Afghanistan, it is, uh, I don't know, probably about 10 minutes long, and it is nonstop awesome. So it is like this this perfect combination of tension and badassery, and it, it just rules. It just absolutely rules. Yeah, and it also throws in a good dose of emotional depth to it, too, which I appreciate. Yes, for sure. Totally agree. I, I mean, and the you're right, though, the tension. That's the first, I feel like that's, I mean, aside from the opening, uh, you know, with the, the attack on the Fun V, but uh, I think the that moment when he's being strapped in, and it's like, he, you know, he's he's being weighed down by this heavy machinery that, that he can't move in yet. And, you know, Jensen's typing in that code and the, the music is building and the <laughs> yep. lights are going down and we get that. Oh, it's oh, it's so good. This is where the sound design yes. and editing are, are, are absolutely on full display. This is probably the best scene. You know, when I saw that it was nominated for the Oscar for best sound editing, this is probably the scene that got them that nomination. I mean, just the weight of the, you know, he's in this giant H.G. Wells diving yes. suit, Iron Man suit. <laughs> you feel the weight, not from the cinematography, but from the sound. That each step is is Goliathan, and and 
the way doors are slammed and guns shoot. And it, it, I mean, all of the yeah. sound in this portion is absolutely textbook. It's, it's, it's Speaking incredible. of sound real quick, I just wanted to mention that the sound of that repulsor blast, you know, that, I mean, I can, I can hear it in my head right now. I don't know if you guys can, but for me, Same. that has become Same. as yep. iconic as the sound of a lightsaber. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it is. I, I think you're right. I think I immediately know what it is. And you know I, I put it up right up there also with the, uh, with the proton pack from yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> if I hear that sound effect and you blindfold me, I, exactly. I know what that is. That's, that's <laughs> Tony Stark. That's Iron Man's, yeah, repulsor. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I love when he first emerges from the cave and, and they all blast him. And then it's like really still My for turn. a second. <laughs> My turn. So good. My turn. It's <laughs> so great. And then I got to be honest, I haven't watched this maybe in a year or two. Actually, no, it's probably been like three. Or, well, I watched a, almost all of them back before mm-hmm. Infinity War came out. So I guess it's been like about a year and a half, two Me years too. since I watched it. And I got to be frank. I forgot he flies yeah. out of there. Oh, and yeah. when he flies, it, I gasped. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's so cool. And then, he, you know, it's it's really just falling with style. He, you know, he crashes. <laughs> but I truly gasped. It, that moment is so cool that even though I've probably seen this is probably the seventh or eighth time I've seen this movie. That still got me. That is really effective storytelling that you know they've they've set up how gargantuan he is and heavy and slow and then for him to fly away i i just think it's he totally rules i i I absolutely love it i uh yeah i so i saw this movie real quick because i just i remember i forgot to say this in my introduction but uh i saw this movie six times in theaters oh dang uh with multiple different friends and people and i I remember going back just to see by myself one time and uh since then i think i've seen it uh i mean i i have no idea i've upwards of 20 times for sure i uh but yeah i haven't seen it since um uh before avengers uh endgame when i did a big you know a big watch marathon uh but I still remember the, I mean, I remember that image of, you know, that explosion uh, of the whole camp. And you just see like this, like this tiny, oh, yeah. like this tiny little <laughs> Iron Man shoot out of the explosion to the left screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, one thing, uh, uh, if I may, uh, the, I mean, we talked about the beginning. I, I, I got to say the end. I mean, and and not even the after credits. We'll get to that later. But the just the the final scene of the movie when he goes back up and does that press conference, and he's got the yeah, scripted, yeah. you know, the 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 shield stuff, and and just the final the final line, right? I think uh, is probably the theme. Besides maybe the Jericho moment, I think it's probably the most iconic moment of that movie because mm-hmm. and and you know it, it surprised yeah. everyone. Uh, <clears throat> all of us in the yeah. in that theater that night it, the the theater went insane like i mean we, we were like jumping up and down out of our seats literally uh you know high-fiving each other just like screaming like it was insanity <laughs> and it was so cool uh because it, 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 you know you, you kind of you think you know the story of iron man and then they just pull that twist at you at the very end and you're like holy crap this is this is insane where are we going with this you know yeah the first time i saw that when it when that when it's the stinger hits i mean i 
I felt like I, I've never done cocaine, but I am sure, I know for a fact that if you do one bump of cocaine, that's exactly what it feels like. I mean, it just, I, and, and I still got a little bit of that rush today. No, I think, I, I think that the fate of this movie is in a really fascinating way intertwined permanently with the movie that came out about a month and a half later, The Dark Knight. And I think that in retrospect, there's no way they could have known that this was such a smart decision. But Marvel accidentally probably ended up creating a, a totally perfect foil mm-hmm. to Batman. You have a, the the white rich man billionaire who doesn't actually have mm-hmm. any superpowers <laughs> hero. And you have one who is so obsessed with the purity of what he is and what he stands for that people are literally dying because he won't take his mask off. And then you have the one who ends a, the, movie, the first movie with a press conference where he tells the world who he is. And it, I think that it worked so well. And then, I mean, look, look at the trajectory of the two, the, the two comic film franchises from that point on. You yeah. know, you've got The Dark Knight Rises a couple years later, which, like, is good, but is not as good as the first two. And then you've got the entire implosion that is the DC ECCCU, and then you've got, and then you've got twenty two straight Mar- movies, Marvel movies of gold. I, I would maybe argue that or Dark World isn't, but like pretty much nothing but gold, you know. And I I think that in in, in retrospect, historically, I, I know we're talking about the movie itself now, but like that that's a decision that holds up extraordinarily well in the arc of time and mm-hmm. i don't know what else i have to say about it but that that jumps out at me as a fascinating moment agreed andy do you have any specific scenes or parts you want to talk about or like moments that yeah. really i i actually i really love um that moment where he has just uh basically liberated that uh small mm-hmm. village um, gomera yeah and he's flying yeah. home and then he has those two uh fighter jets uh in pursuit yes. as well and just the whole, because there's so much at play right there, and there's all there's action. There there are moments of discovery um, for Rhodey, um, and yep. so it's just it's so there's some character development. There's action. Um, we kind of get uh, also uh, a view of the larger world as a whole, which is really great, and and the impact that Iron Man is having uh, on these different levels of government as well. Um, so just to kind of have that action. Um, have him interact with Rhodey um, and have that moment of discovery, like, no, it's me. Like, I am in the suit. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and, ha- and have, you know, him needing to make those decisions now in the control room. Oh, look, okay, how do I keep my friend from getting killed while at the same time not lose my job for, um, you know, not doing my job? So it was, there was just so many levels of tension and action. And then to also have, you know, Iron Man risk his life to save the life of the fighter pilot. Um, we kind of start to see this journey taking place. You know, he's being selfless. Um, he understands a little bit better his responsibility to the world as a whole. Um, and then to have it, you know, have the little stinger at the end of the press conference, um, you know, talking about uh, training mission gone awry or things like that. That's, was, that joke set up. So yeah, well. it was perfect. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I also think from a screenwriting perspective, this is a really smart use of 
we've just had this really great action set piece that is the liberation of Gomera. And I think a lot of times in movies like this, the you have a big action set piece and then it gets really quiet. And sometimes you can lose an audience there. Sometimes in superhero movies in particular, you have some of the cheesiest scenes. And th this is a great use of you. You it's almost always followed by a killer character building scene. And, mm -hmm. and you pointed it out. You're right. This is a character building scene. It just happens to be a character building scene that has a Top Gun-esque, you know, <laughs> chase scene. And I, I do think it's really smart. And I, I also love that um, at the end of that Golmira scene, just that he drops the bad guy and, and he says, he's all yours. Right, and then right. flies off. That's pretty dark. I think that, you know, this movie, since it's so early on in, in the MCU, there's a couple moments like that of, of pretty real world darkness that uh, maybe don't show up as much uh, throughout the franchise. I mean, there's... Right. There's a pretty dark implication there of what's going to happen to that guy. <laughs> but that's the thing, too, is that it's also just an implication. Like, we we see, like, a foot sure. step into the screen, like, but, but we don't actually ever see them grab him or anything. Uh, so sure. it's kind of yeah, yeah. left to our imagination, um, which, yeah, could definitely be very dark, um, what happens to that dude, especially considering what he did to them. <laughs> right. Do you guys think all the stuff with, with Pepper works and holds up? Uh, I have some opinions about the way Pepper's portrayed in the movie. In this sure, particular movie. Sure, let's get movie. into it. Um, or do you want to save that for not holding up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on what you want to do with, with the structure, but... Um, I guess I, I, I'll i say I think that a moment that checks out is, you know, the mm -hmm. proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Theme. That's and, great. And, uh, you know, that that's really fantastic. And I do really love uh, at the end where... You know, he's like, well, if I am a superhero, uh, I'm going to have a secret identity and my girlfriend's always going to be, you, you know, that part. Yeah. He, he talks about, mm -hmm. don't you ever think about that night? And, you know, she replays it really romantically and then ends it on. And, and then you left me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th there's some good stuff there. I, I yeah, we can sink our teeth into it when we talk about stuff that uh, is, is maybe a little more problematic. That's that's fair. Um, uh, and then as far as like villain, I, I think that, you know, uh, Having uh, Ironmonger, uh, Obadiah Sane is the first villain of MCU. I think he does a pretty great job. I think mm -hmm. that I think a big criticism of the first, maybe third or two thirds even of the MCU movies was that there weren't a whole lot of strong villains other than Loki. And I actually going back and watching this, I, I think he maybe holds up as a better villain than I had given credit. I, what do you guys think? Uh, I'm I have I'm torn because I think that. Jeff Bridges does an outstanding performance as Obadiah Stane. And I think, yes, I think he is a great villain. But I also think that, I mean, this this is actually going to bleed a little bit into the stuff that doesn't hold up for me. So maybe I should save it. But uh, there's just his whole, like, plan doesn't really work for me. Sure, sure. Uh, are there any other big moments you guys want to talk about? I mean, like, while we're talking about Ironmonger, I mean, how about we talk about the whole, the finale? I mean, the big action set piece at the end. I mean, uh, you know, I I was blown away by how well mm -hmm. these visuals have aged. This hasn't been, they don't go back and, like, they no. haven't, like, refurbished these at all, right? I mean, like, this is DC. I mean, to know of, yeah. I think compared to, like, not to throw it under the bus, like, there's a fight scene in Black Panther yeah. that, like, the CGI in this looks better. I know, yeah, I, I think yeah, you know the moment I'm talking about. Moment, where they're yeah. in like they're in the cave, 
the CGI DJI in this looks way better than that. I I, I thought uh, the only moments that maybe didn't trick my brain as well anymore was like when when uh, when Obadiah is talking and like his yeah. body is physically exposed. Right, he has to open the, up the, the suit. The blending maybe I'd didn't say hold that, up as well. But mm-hmm. the, the, and the physics and and then just the overall uh, energy of that fight scene, great. I love when the the, the mom and the kids in the car oh my get gosh. picked up and. The drama of that, and then you think you think Iron Man saved them, and then they run him over. And so like, good, yeah. There's a guy on a motorcycle who's definitely <laughs> oh, dead. He gets right? so he gets so <laughs> yes. he's dead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the motorcycle gets yanked out from underneath. He's him, probably going what 70, 80 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, <laughs> according to Newton's second law, that guy's dead. So uh, uh, that you know that all that's great, and then you know the callback of like if you go high enough, there's frost problems. And, and yeah, that's that, perfect that Tony, for me. That Tony uses his brain mm-hmm. to to win. You know, mm-hmm. he outsmarts him. Is uh, it's really great. I like that because I think a lot of a lot of superhero movies. It's just that the blue laser ends up hitting the green laser. And when the blue laser and the green laser hit, it's purple and that's better than red. And uh, yeah. this is not that at all. This this is Tony Stark using his brain to outfox a, a, a greedy guy who is overambitious. And yeah, I, I, I thought that aspect of that. What do you guys like that last? You know, I, I, I do. So? And I, you know, you already mentioned it, but the, the frost buildup moment, I think for me, I love anytime something happens uh, earlier on in a movie um, and then we kind of forget about it. And then, you know, it ends up being super important later. Um, yes. Yes. So, yeah, That's just I, great, I, great writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that moment. I'll also say that it was kind of it's kind of odd to then have him. I, I want to see what happened. How did he survive that? And to have also like a completely like his suit wasn't damaged at all when he came back to like surprise sure. Tony again. <laughs> yes, that is, that is uh, definitely a, a, yeah, a nitpicky question. If, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 love, I was just going to say uh, about oh, sorry, the Justin. final battle. If I'm being honest, I think that the, the battle on the rooftop is probably like my least favorite part of the entire movie. Uh, and it's not because I don't think it's good. I just, the rest of the movie is so strong that uh, it's a little basic for me. And, I mean, comparing it to Iron Man 2, uh, you know, with... Um, I mean, Iron Man 2 gets a lot of flack, and I understand the reasons, but I do think that the the whiplash final battle in the garden is much more of what I want in a final battle <laughs> than... Uh, I think it's just because it adds more variety. There's something about the two men in... Uh, in big iron suits, just kind of whacking away at each other. That feels a little mundane, uh, which, you know, mm-hmm. right. Which is exactly what incredible. Right, exactly. The very next one ends up being too. Uh, okay. I, I actually a hundred percent agree with you. I am specifically saying I really like up until the point that he falls because of the ice. I agree. I think the rooftop is basic and kind of boring and, and the, uh, kind of uh dusty machina of of using the, the right. power generator to I, i'm with you i just i really like i guess specifically i'm saying yeah the highway the, the is stuff great. in the traffic and then that i all really like but i actually 150 percent agree with you i also really like the reveal yes. of the ironmonger suit it is very clearly hearkening back to like the 1950s universal horror mm-hmm. and maybe even a little bit the alien franchise because it's really quiet and still and there's, you know, like it's a laboratory. There's like bubbling water and stuff. 
and there's even dangling <laughs> chains, which like make no sense, right. but feels yeah. so like Frankenstein's laboratory. You gotta get that sound this, in there. They they come uh-huh. across the husk of the old suit, and it's uh, I, I thought it'd be bigger. That feels super alien, aliens, you know, coming across this like the the husk of the xenomorph, and and I love that. All of that shot really well, and that's all John Favreau. That is a a right. guy who loves good, cool movies, uh, referencing good, so cool good. movies. And if you're just talking about directing, that might be my favorite directing in the entire movie is is the build up to and reveal of the Ironmonger suit. And then when you see him, he is a monster. It's terrifying. And then, uh, you know, and then it, it kind of ensues in the whole, you know, climax of the movie. But I, I love that build up and that reveal that that's. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Any more parts you guys want to talk about before we get I into mean, the specific categories? <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just one more for me is whenever, yeah. whenever, uh, you know, Rhodey comes down into, you know, his shop near the end and, you know, he's trying to see if he's okay yes. and he gets suited up and he blasts off and then Rhodey looks at the other suit and he goes next time or whatever, next time, baby, or something like that. And it's just, yeah. I think that's so Great funny teams. in retrospect because of what happens with the actors. <laughs> also true. Also true. But yeah, that is the, it's the best kind of fan service. I guess I did realize I do have one more. I do love the montage uh, kind of, of, uh, of testing out the yeah. flight and the flight capabilities. And yeah. uh, you know, just there's little silly lines like uh, it, he, he when he crashes into the <laughs> wall and the dummy extinguishes him even though he's not on fire. Oh, that dummy! Uh, it's a fight stabilizer. It's harmless. Boom! <laughs> and you know, I I, yeah, I love well, I love all that. So yeah, no, Justin, any more parts uh, before you no, move I into mean, the category? Yes, but I just stop me here. <laughs> yeah, not right. No. So um, let's talk about this zippity doo dah moment for what's aged the worst. It happened on one of them zippity doo dah days. So we already kind of teased on this a little bit, maybe stepped on his toes a little, but uh, Andy, it sounds to me like you've got a take on Pepper Potts. Let's hear it. I, I think just especially during the the final moments, she, she turns almost um, inexplicably damselly to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, because throughout the whole movie, you know, she's this organized, Tony Stark needs her, depends on her. Um, and so to me, that reads as someone who has a cool head, um, someone who is good under pressure. And then to have those m- moments kind of just weirdly pop up of, oh, what's that? Is that going to, uh, you know, unlock the door and boom, and she gets spooked by it. And then like, I understand she's kind of thrown into this new world that she was never prepared for, but I don't know. It just, they upped her damsel factor, in my eyes, uh, kind of out of nowhere. It, it would have been a good place for uh, John Favreau to reference Alien <laughs> instead right. of Frankenstein. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I see that. I think, I think in general, she's a really strong character. She does have moments in that last climax where she does weirdly, like, almost, almost, I think maybe the bigger complaint is that it's kind of like incongruent with who she is the whole rest of the movie. Yes, exactly. Maybe that's even a greater sin is, is like, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I hear that. I, I think another, uh, moment that maybe hasn't aged as well. Look, I get that we need to establish that Tony's a womanizer and Mm -hmm. I, you know, like, uh, it's always important in art to remember that like a character doing a bad thing isn't the same as like 
in real life, like a real human doing and saying a bad mm-hmm. thing because we have to establish stuff. The one womanizing moment that I think particularly doesn't hold up is the implication that he had a threesome <laughs> with twins, which is gross. Because <laughs> of the calendar. <laughs> uh, there, yeah. There's, they're sisters. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's like, is it true that you went 12 for 12 with the Maxim cover girls? Uh, it, yes, it is true. Technicality. March had a scheduling conflict, right. but luckily December was twins. And cool. they're OK. Maybe I don't want to get like pervy. Could have been one and then the other. But either way, that's like the one little moment that's like. But I, I also eh, think it is a good uh, laugh, though. So I'm not trying to Tony Stark good. is the kind of guy to um, to say something like that, to say like a, a really crappy embellish. Like, you know, joke like that a crude joke i should say it's a great uh, point and and not actually not that oh, sure, i mean sure. it could have been true who knows uh it's it's a good point we didn't see it happen um, it's a, that's a very good point justin uh yeah and then here i've got a, just a tiny little one uh there's a, a shot in tony stark's house of his big fancy awesome tv and there's just a nintendo wii there <laughs> and i know it's 2008 and i know i know that that was the most current nintendo console tony stark does not play the nintendo oh wii tony God. stark would find the terrible motion controls of the nintendo wii infuriating it, it, that doesn't hold up it that's, <laughs> that's a, get it out of there hilarious. somebody did digitally edit that out of there it doesn't hold up it doesn't check out at all i didn't even notice <laughs> that's really that. funny, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're gonna go back and do a remastered version, and that's the only thing that's, that's gonna all be different. <laughs> I think. Uh, I, no, no, you're you're good. Justin, I um, yeah, sorry, Justin. Did you have one? I, I kind of I almost redact a little bit of what I was thinking about with Obadiah Stane because I, I. It's always bothered me that um, he's he's basically caught. You know what I mean? Like, Shield Shield knows who he is right. and what's happening now. Uh, and so, but I, uh, and so it always bothered me that like, you know, the 20 times I've watched this, uh, I, I guess it never really dawned on me that maybe he doesn't know that he's caught. So, but regardless, I guess he would fight to the death or something. I'm not sure what he's trying to get out of it. Why doesn't mm-hmm. he just run away? You know? So, well, but he also, yeah. yeah, he also starts to talk about like, while they're on fighting in the road on the highway. Like he does talk about the world's going to be different and right. like, I'm going to succeed, even though at that point, like, yeah. people <laughs> he, are after he, he him. He can't like, take over the company if he's in so, prison. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's let's uh, I'm with you. This so technically oh. this falls under the next category. So we'll move on to good. Segue, uh, no, this is a brand new podcast. Uh, sad, exactly a perfect segue. <laughs> uh, this is sadness's buzzkill question. Guy, you could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in this. So, uh, yes, this is plot holes, unanswerable questions, things that don't hold up if you really hold a magnifying glass to it. And I'm with you. He knows he's caught in some capacity, but he doesn't right. know that S.H.I.E.L.D. is after him. And even if he even I think this could even be rectified a little bit if there is one moment where Tony says, you don't have to do this, Obi. And he says. Yeah, I do. The jig's yeah. up. Like, like those two lines kind of fix almost all of it, mm-hmm. and they're not. And they're not there. <laughs> I agree. Uh, one, a moment of of that for me. And this is maybe a, a super tiny one, but the moment where he is escaping uh, from the caves and he flies away, um, he lands <laughs> at a high speed, <laughs> into head first into some sand, uh, which, you know, sand can be pretty soft. But if you're falling at a at high enough speed, 
you know, that's definitely going to, to you know, Here's injure you in some way. And also, he lands head first, and then we see, we have the next shot where he's waist deep oh, in the sand as well. That's just, that's just a continuity problem. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think there's a couple of moments like that, like when he uses fire to destroy the Jericho missiles. Uh-huh. That would just level the entire city. He, <laughs> he literally blows up a missile. I don't know if you guys have ever messed with fireworks before, but... <laughs> If you use the match on the firework itself instead of the fuse, it's not a smaller explosion. That's not how things work. Uh, yeah, there, there are a couple of little moments like that. I, I, Okay, this is really nitpicky, and I get it. It's a PG-13 movie, and probably it, it serves a little bit of more character. I don't know. They would execute Jensen. Jensen's, like, shot in the shoulder and bleeding out. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That, that firing squad, you know, like, turns him into... into pulled pork right i mean like mm-hmm. I, that's not so like when he gets that moment where he says like do something with your life uh saving private ryan much uh it, like <laughs> i don't know that that's like one of the moments that maybe like takes me out a little bit because like that should he should be dead and i think tony would be just as motivated by being like oh my gosh yeah. they killed him i it, like i i don't know that you need that and it also pulls me out like you don't have to see his i get it it's pg-13 we don't have to see his bullet ridden corpse but like we could have like a flash I, of blood on the wall and totally I will say the down. one, I don't know, one right? bit no, of my, that though my... where he's like I mean the lines that follow when they're saying good like goodbye to each other basically when he says about the, like I'm going to see my family. Yeah. And and you know, Yinsen's yeah. like it's revealed that Yinsen's family's been been dead this whole time. And there is something really good in the lines there. I do like and then he says, I'm I do like that. I'm going to no. you have to go live and see your family. No, I am. I'm going to die and go see my. That's true. I do um, like that. I'm a lot. with you. It totally doesn't. I don't know. I mean, it does. Pull there's, me out. there's so many things in the movie that like should be dead, should be dead, should be dead. And I think that because I mean, including like the, <laughs> yeah. the final bit where he where Tony asks, tells Pepper to, to overload the reactor. And then she literally says, that'll kill you. <laughs> You'll die. And he's like, just do it. Yeah. yeah, he's right on top of it. He is in the and center. He says, of it. "I know," and then he doesn't do anything to not. Eat. I mean, we just watched that yeah, blast right. make a thunderstorm. And you know, so like, uh, <laughs> in L.A., it never rains there. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it's wild. Uh, I also speaking of the reactor, that scene where Obadiah is smoking <laughs> a cigar. A he rides up on oh a Segway, <laughs> smoking a cigar, but the cigar's not actually lit but like jeff bridges is smoking it because he thinks in post they're gonna have it be lit and then like they have this whole scene where there are like warning signs that are like flammable (laughs) like there's like he walks past like canisters with like all sorts of warning labels on him smoking a cigar and it doesn't actually do anything for the scene it that is the weirdest it gives the actor a prop Yeah, like Jeff Bridges is like, I need a prop, but it has to be this, this or a white Russian. Your choice. Do you you actually light like cigars? Can you just like chew on them and then like still get some flavor or something? You can kind. I mean, like I think I don't know. I don't know how cigars work. I don't know. Like you smoke it, but it looks like to me is in it looks like he lit the cigar, took a couple puffs, Mm -hmm. and then extinguished it, and is still carrying it around in his hand, which is okay i'll give you less of a hazard but just right. as weird <laughs> and then i'll tell you okay here's my weirdest fi- my final personally my final nitpick the weirdest one tony stark has been captured for three months 
He comes to America. He wants a cheeseburger. I get that. <laughs> Burger King? Come on. How, how much did Burger King pay for that? Because, like, you haven't had real food in three months, and you're like, I want a Whopper? Come on. No way. Like, it, it, it's California. At least make it in and out. That, I don't know. That one, like, I know it's product replacement. I know that's how they make movies. But, like, Tony Stark billionaire does not want Burger King. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you crave, <laughs> crave really crappy food, you know? It's, uh... And he eats, he eats three of them. Yeah. To be fair, he had smoked four <laughs> yeah. joints in the car before that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he eats three of those in total, I think. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, he, he had like one in the car, one on the way to the press conference, and then he pulls another yeah, one out of his pocket. Eaten in yes. A long time. <laughs> he's, he's on a Whopper bender. <laughs> any any other plot holes, unanswerable questions? Um, Just one more. That, and yeah. actually, talking about the Whopper reminded me of this. He... Maybe, yeah, there, maybe there must have been some sort of base that he stopped at before coming back to America because he gets found in the desert, just totally beat up and, and scraggly and, and looking rough. And then he steps off the plane, like clean shaven, pristine. Yeah, like, looking he, good. Yeah. So he must have, I don't know, maybe there was a, a base that they stopped at where he was like, I need a barber. I need a shave. Yeah. I need a shower. <laughs> and oh, the I will best here medical. And look. Robert Downey Jr. is looking a lot better than me. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. This is a funny. This is a funny thing because by the time we get to like Avengers Endgame, RDJ is shredded. He's a very normal yeah. looking, like in decent shape, but like mm -hmm. he's not like he doesn't take his shirt off. Like when he does, we see like chest up. You know, like there aren't any like six pack glory shots in this movie, right. and it it's funny because I, I you know I think as these movies went on. And became huge, you know, like the cultural touchstone that they are. I'm sure he was like, yeah. "Well, look, I, I gotta look. I'm gonna be standing next to Thor and Captain America. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta get on the uh, the three hundred. I also think he probably, uh, I mean, right training right. with the Avengers and that kind of thing would probably get you into uh, totally, but... totally. In yeah, that that is a very good like like in world explanation. I totally agree. Like if like. Much as RDJ looking at Chris yeah. Hemsworth would inspire him, Cody Stark looking at Thor would be like, all right. Pepper's <laughs> 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 a real catch. I got to keep her unlocked. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Ready to move on to the next one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now the Mr. Potato Head Award. Hey, Ham. Look, I'm Picasso. Yeah, I don't get it. You uncultured swine. What are you looking at, you hockey punk? So this is for the character who did the most with the least screen time or the fewest lines. I think it's Dummy. I think it's Dummy. I oh think my that God, Dummy that's so good. is such an upstager. And I think that just that, that the, I think maybe the funniest moment of the whole movie, which has a lot of funny moments, is when Tony crashes headfirst into that wall and then immediately gets extinguished by dummy and then i love that <laughs> dummy has like kind of a beautiful redemptive moment mm -hmm. when dummy literally saves tony stark's life and guess what <gasps> now that us in the future we now know that the if tony stark had died then then thanos would have <laughs> so wiped out half of the, the universe, universe. That's you know true. so like that's true really <laughs> I also. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Captain America, not the first Avenger. Dummy. So Dummy is the first Avenger. Uh, you actually just reminded me too of another nitpicky thing. Sorry to backtrack. No, no, no. That's good. It's good. It's good. But that whole moment of Tony Stark uh, climbing uh, 
or mm-hmm. crawling over the floor of his shop, he pushes uh <laughs> Like something like a dolly away, a dolly away yeah, something yeah, that has yeah, wheels on it that he could easily have mounted and pulled himself across it's like the floor. Yeah, it's like it's like when you were in elementary yeah. school PE and you'd play octopus. It, it's like he, he he shoves it away. Yeah. Oh man. Every time I watch it, I get so pissed. It's like if you are on death's door, use that, and you're a smart man. You yeah. know. <laughs> Any other nominees for the two, Mr. Pin? But Andy, go ahead. Um, well, yeah, go for it. I mean, I, I was the obvious one for me is is Jensen, just because you know he's he's only there in the beginning, but like without him, I don't think Tony has his you know what starts his his character arc. Um, so I think Jensen is kind of you know the the wise sage if we're thinking totally. about uh, hero's journey sort of stuff that kind of sets him on yeah. the the path. Um, yeah, he's the Obi Wan, the 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 Merlin. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, and then <laughs> I gotta also give a shout out to that scientist who says he's <laughs> not Tony Stark. I um, love that. I, I laughed out loud. I I love that line. It's 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 just a little too on I the nose. That he, I love, I love it that he so gets much. This moment it. later on too in the MCU. Uh, it's you know, so perfect. Uh, that's great. Yes. Yep. Uh, I have I have two nominees for the Mr. Potato Head <laughs> Award. Um, my runner-up is uh, Paul Bettany Jarvis. Um, I think uh, sure, yeah. Obviously, no screen time, but lots of lots of speaking. Uh, but I think just having that, um, like he, Jarvis is a sidekick to Tony. I mean, he's you know he's he's the one that he's the mm-hmm. he's the robin who's kind of like listening to all of batman's you know deductions and things like that so uh th- there's a lot there that i think paul bettany just like nails uh but i think i think for sure the winner of the mr potato award in my opinion is nick fury the least amount of screen time <laughs> okay. he, yeah. he does the most he, okay he, he blows up the minds of the audience yeah, and right. the world all in one moment just by saying Avengers initiative. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so true. You're, you're right. I went into this saying there was no way dummy <laughs> loses and I was wrong. You're right. Nick Fury. <laughs> Nick Fury, congratulations. You are Mr. Potato Head. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is, uh, this is a new one that I, I, I just added today. Uh, the Stan Lee Award for Best Cameo. <laughs> it goes to Stan Lee. It goes to Stan Lee as you have to, right? I think so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> that was great. That was great. And, and like, the the first one, you know, it wasn't a thing. I think it becomes a thing because of this one. You know, um, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, next category. The Boba Fett Award for Coolest Toy that Could Be Made for This Movie. It, so, you know, Boba Fett famously... Uh, Mm-hmm. Great character design doesn't actually really do that much, but that that second part doesn't have to be part of this. I uh, I tried really hard to not just say Iron Man because Iron Man's obviously. So I'm going to go a little more specific and say I think a really cool tool would be Afghanistan prisoner <laughs> of war Tony Stark that has a like like a suit that you can build around him. Um, I, there used to be these, mm-hmm. I, I was really into mm-hmm. Gundam wing when I was younger Oh yeah. and there were these, these models of Gundam wing that were like almost halfway between action figures and models. And it would be really cool if you have like a Tony Stark action figure and then like a model slash action figure of the suit to build around him. Yeah, I guess, is, is that the yeah, Mark one, Justin? 
technically. Yeah. yeah. So ha- so that that I think would be a very cool toy. That's actually really in line with what I was going to say, which was having a Tony Stark, uh, you know, uh, lab playset where you can mix and match different suits oh. of armor and like customize the colors and different things like that and, and build them around yes. the toy. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Love it. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, these days with VR being uh, more and more prevalent, like I want something where I can, I love that moment where he reaches his hand <laughs> into uh, the arm uh, as he's building the suit. Like for oh, some reason that was yeah. always so badass yeah. to me. Like, oh, you can interact with it and like, and build it like that. Uh, so if, yeah, kind of similar to what Justin is talking about in a VR sort of way where you can interact oh, with that's it even and better. build the suit on yourself and, and that sort of thing. Would be There's pretty badass. Be some way to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I would play with that toy. That's awesome. All right. If you were <laughs> hired by the Imagineers to design a theme park attraction based on Iron Man 2008, not the Avengers, but this specific movie, uh, what would the park attraction be? Do you guys have any ideas? Uh, oh, man. Uh, yeah. See, the problem is I feel like a lot of the ones hmm. I'm thinking of would not be good Disney park rides for kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Escape from Afghanistan type things, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. Like a, like a dating simulator of all 12 Maxim cover girls. So, good. <laughs> uh, so I, I was just thinking that that a cool one would be if you just turned Tony Stark's laboratory into uh, kind of a stunt spectacular. I, I think that you, you so you hire an actor who kind of looks like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, or maybe you hire someone who doesn't at all and is like playing the role of the intern and is, is like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Uh, Tony couldn't be here today, but I, I'm here to show you the lab and all it does. And, and it kind of all goes horribly wrong. And, and yeah. Paul Bettany uh, voices Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's like one of those like kind of shows and like you know, like it squirts water at you and and stuff like that. I, uh, I you could get might, dummy yeah, like kind of as like the main protagonist of the whole thing. D- dummy, oh, dummy yeah, is the sure. hero. Finally, yeah. dummy. I think gets that's the, that's amazing. That's really good, start. actually. I would <laughs> that that would yeah, that'd be a great show. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. On that one, I think the only other option, Sweet. if you were going to do like a ride, it would have to be the the uh, you know uh, Iron Man's first flight. Uh, with the jets and that kind of thing, like flying through the air uh, somehow, you know. It might be cool to do a ride where you go up like really fast, like a roller coaster, and then it blasts you <laughs> with like freezing cold air, <laughs> yeah. and then you drop. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like to, and then like, like to simulate that that uh, the the first you know the right. attempted and slightly failed flight. Uh, that might be. Uh, and then like the wings come out. So like on the way down, it's like causes like a pair. You know, they have like stand up roller coasters right, and fun. stuff like that. <laughs> so this could be like a, a lay down on your belly roller coaster. And sure. Put your hands out. Oh, wait, they, they have those. They have those. Yeah. Cause I've done <laughs> yeah. one of those where like you sit down and then it. Yeah. The there's Superman one at, ride uh, like World called yeah. like Stingray yeah. or something like that. But you're like, Oh yes, yes. That, yeah, that yeah. I've been on it. I went, I, that's amazing. Yep. So yeah, do that. Do like the Stingray from from SeaWorld, but it, it only goes straight up, and then it blasts you with ice cold air, and then it just releases, and you're just in free fall. I think that'd be... Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know. That might not be logistically possible. All right. If this movie were a Disney musical, the, what what are some scenes that you would like to see as, as songs? Uh, what would you like the style I to be like? I would definitely need an Obadiah Stane... Uh, uh, 
Tony Stark oh, made this with a pile of scrap song. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, yeah. This this scene yeah. where he goes to see Raza and the and the Ten Rings and and yeah, I agree. That would be an incredible moment. I think uh, you do a uh, I'll make a man out of you like montage of of just yeah. figuring out how to make the suit fly and uh, great great. You keep the exact same visual comedy bits, dummy. You know, like. It'd be fun if there was like a part where Dummy has a solo and he yeah. just sings and like whirls and beeps, you know, like like <laughs> Dummy, take dummy, it away, Dummy, mm-hmm. or Dummy, Dummy dances. Dummy is the definitely like the, like the Abu, the Miko, the you know, the the, the sidekick. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, that's also pretty good. like having a uh, like a you know the like the I want establishing character song, except it's just you know Tony Stark. Uh, uh, you know, we see like the casino and the Jericho stuff, and it's just like a big montage of of how much of a of a you know not cool, likable, likable jerk he is. Yeah, yeah. His, his I want song and, is actually and, just right, all the material right. things that he wants. Right. Instead of instead I of I want, it's I have. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Uh, casting, remixing, uh, anything like that. I, I looked, I didn't really see any casting what ifs. It looks like John Favreau mostly got who he wanted. He really specifically wanted RDJ because this is a redemption story and mm-hmm. he wanted to cast someone who, to be frank, kind of needed some redeeming. Um, is there anybody that you would recast? I'll start with like the low hanging fruit. I think Terrence Howard does a good job, but Don Cheadle, I think, is the better roadie. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I would, agree. if, if I could magically make, have always been Don Cheadle that I, I would personally ever so slightly, no offense to Terrence Howard, who I think does a very good job. I would slightly prefer that. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with that for sure. Um, I, real quick, I do want to mention uh, John Favreau, you know, uh, he got what he wanted, but he had to fight hard for it. They did not want RDJ to be a part of this movie. Uh, and they, their picks were, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but Tom Cruise, uh, Nicholas Cage, um, that's right. Yeah. Tom they, Cruise was their first choice. Nicholas Cage, right. I think had like a screen test. Uh, but yeah, Favreau wanted, wanted RDJ. Thank goodness. <laughs> and thank goodness. See, I, thank goodness. I agree. Nick Cage. Over uh, yes Tom and no. Sure. I right. feel like. I feel like Tom Cruise would have been like, I'm only going to do it if we actually build an Iron Man suit and I can learn how to fly it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I can't picture anybody besides RDJ. Um, I agree. I totally agree. I'm, it's, it's uh, well, also from 2008. It's right there with like Heath Ledger's Joker. I right. get you, like, who else does it? You know, it, I, uh, right, I, I I'm agree. not a big fan of Gwyneth Paltrow, personally. Um I'm just, I mean, as I'm not a huge yeah. fan of her as a, as a person from what I know of her, but also, mm-hmm. I, you know, I you're haven't, not subscribed I to Goop. Yet. You're not, uh, a, you're not a gooper. Yeah. He, you know what? Yeah. She broke Chris on, Martin from Coldplay's cruel. heart. So um. <laughs> Coldplay hasn't written good music since. So it's <laughs> gotta be a connection. Oh, you're good. I, uh, sorry, I keep interrupting your very valid I point. I don't know who would be a better pepper. So, to, today I would cast Emma Stone. In 2008, <laughs> that age gap yeah. would be gross. She would have just done super bad. And you're like, no, bruh, Tony, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the hard part is you got to ask yourself who was a, you know, who was 
a contemporary to, to Gwyneth Paltrow, who was getting roles like hers in Seven and other movies. I mean, like, the one that would be amazing that just, like, basically she wasn't doing movies at this time. If you replace like, Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> with Julia Roberts, it's like, damn. Like, like come on. But, like, Julia Roberts really wasn't doing many movies in this era. I, I don't know. I, like, I hear you. She She's fine. I think the writing for Pepper is probably better than the act, mm. like the actual performance of Pepper. But aren't her and John oh, Favreau yeah, like sure. homies yeah. too, though? That's probably part of it, right? Yeah, well, she was on, because John yeah. Favreau is doing the, the chef show now, and she was like the first guest right. on episode one. I'm not sure of her exact age, and she definitely wouldn't have been famous enough at the time, but like history might suggest that, mm-hmm. uh, that Jessica Chastain uh would would have been a good pick yeah, yeah, uh christina, christina hendrix i know christina hendrix mm. had been in firefly at that point um although she i think robert Downey jr is like 43 or 44 when this movie gets shot so you got to keep that I, in mind it i personally um i think i like uh what's her name uh uh judd apatow's wife um uh, oh uh leslie yes. man uh, leslie man mm-hmm. would be fantastic and had absolutely yeah. started to emerge as a movie yeah. star by this time because of 40-year-old version. I think she would have, like, and, a uh, perfect yeah. uh, I, cool yeah. head, but, uh, like, a good uh, comedy that could, like, Matt, could, like, you know, go head, go toe-to-toe with Tony Stark. Uh, but she's not she's not famous enough, like Julia Roberts, that you'd be like, God, this is the part she's got. And that's, that's the thing, is this, Gwyneth Paltrow... Like, not maybe Julia Roberts famous, but pretty famous when she landed this role. Mm-hmm. This was definitely... I mean, she was the most famous person mm-hmm. in this... Mm-hmm. Her and Jeff Bridges uh, of the movies, of the heroes. She's the most right. famous actress at that point in time. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. Uh, if this movie were spun off into a Disney Plus series, what would you want it to be about? I mean, I know this is kind of hard because mm-hmm. this kicks off now the MCU and all that. Is Is there a... I guess I would maybe be curious to see a show about, and this this wouldn't get made on Disney Plus, but I am curious about how Gulmeri rebuilds now yes. that Iron Man has actually uh, come in and helped. Like maybe Shield comes, maybe maybe Tony Stark in the pilot says, mm-hmm. "Hey Shield, go help Gulmeri rebuild." Or I don't know. That that would be at least an interesting. Uh, I don't know. Give Happy a cooking show. <laughs> we know Jeff I yeah, would love. Yeah, would I would like. love an animated yeah. uh, show of of what you were talking about earlier with your uh, with your Disney Park attraction of like Dummy and the intern uh, getting into all sorts sure. of hijinks. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And J- and Jarvis is basically <laughs> yes. the nanny from Muppet Babies. Oh yes. he only shows so up good. at the beginning and the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. All right. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> uh, best quote. Let's try not to have this category oh, God. be ten hours long, as uh, as we are already Maybe. Uh, well over an hour. But there's so many good well, ones. I think I'll we've touched on a lot of them. We've got a bunch. You're right. I'm just gonna try to rifle through some I wrote down. Uh, oh, oh. Speaking of dummy, if you douse me again and I am not on fire, <laughs> I am donating you to City College. Oh man, <laughs> love that. Um, very early on, Christine Englehart, uh, the uh, uh, reporter who he beds, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there is a really great quote that yeah. tells a lot about, it's great screenwriting, very yeah. early on, how the world sees him, how he sees himself. I always say the best ways to learn about a character are to, uh, is uh, rather than how someone sees themselves, 
is to see how other characters see them. And this tells us very quickly how the world views him. So she says, yeah, you've been called the Da Vinci of our time. What would you say to that? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. <laughs> well, what about the other nickname, the Merchant of Death? And he says, that's not bad. <laughs> I love that. Such a good quote. Uh, I, I think those are the two that I haven't said yet that I have just have to shout out. What, how about you guys? Uh, one of my favorites is the, uh, uh, I'm not sure the exact line, but uh, is it better to be feared or respected? And he says, uh, uh, why not both? Or, or is, it too much, is it too much to ask for both? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's that's straight up. Yeah, yeah, straight up scar from the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do have one one more really quick that I think uh, Andy, I'm not disagreeing with you at all on the the pepper stuff, especially in that last set. Piece. I do think there were attempts by the screenwriters to make her a very strong character, and one of them I do love that Tony Stark, who is an incredible. We've established rules, and we're supposed to trust his judgment, mo- except for when it comes to parties and stuff. <laughs> he refers to Pepper, he says, you are the most capable, qualified, trustworthy person I have ever met. And I do think that's a beautiful moment, and it's important for telling the audience how we are supposed mm-hmm. to view right. Pepper. I, yes. I do like that a lot. Any yeah. other any other quotes? I mean, I know there are like 10,000 quotes. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Justin. The best quote of the, yeah. the, best quote of the movie is, I am Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, like, that that's takes it. the cake. For sure. I think the only uh, the only other one that hasn't been mentioned that I think uh, comes to mind, and I might not even get it 100 percent accurate, but it's whenever uh, Rhodey finally finds him in the desert (laughs) um, and he's he's walking up to him. um, And oh, what it's he says, how didn't say how was the fun V? Yes, that's what it was. And then he says, next time you're riding with me. Yeah, I I think at that moment is great. And. Tell it's us just, a lot about their friendship. Yeah, it's just because Rhodey uh-huh. comes across as a "I told you so" kind of guy, mm-hmm. and he's not—he is not about to bust out. I told I think, you so. He's real so quick. Happy. My uh, yeah. one that just popped in my head um, uh, when Pepper catches him trying to get out of his suit in the base in in the lab, and he's and he says he says like, "Let's be honest, this isn't the worst thing <laughs> yes, you've caught yes, me yes, doing." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great i love yeah. it so much because it's funny but it really it is character building and it, and it makes your imagination run wild that's the disney plus series it's like forky asks a question <laughs> it's it's like it's like a two minute short every time but it just always <laughs> ends with pepper walking in at the worst moment possible <laughs> Uh, well, that brings us to the end of our conversation. I do have just a couple of quick like uh, trivia things that I just to say after um, uh, Paul mm. Bettany claims that he has never seen this movie and is unaware of the plot. He didn't even know what movie he was recording yeah. voiceover for. He oh was just God. doing John Favreau a favor, uh, which is pretty cool that he ends up becoming Vision and is going to get his own Disney Plus show. And, you know, good for Paul Bettany. That's uh, Jeff Bridges felt uncomfortable with the lack of a script until John Favreau explained to him that this was basically a $200 million student <laughs> film. And from that point on, Jeff Bridges had a blast. And I think that tells us so much about Jeff Bridges because he is an incredible actor. This is a great performance. I know we, we, we touched on it, but you, you think of the dude, you think of him in true grit. This is such a different role. He's so good. And he's such a professional actor that he was, he was nervous that he wasn't going to do a good job. And then once John Favreau explained to him what it was, he was like, huh, we're right on, dude. Let's, like, let's have fun. <laughs> and then I will add, this was the last film that Stan Winston was the special effects oh, supervisor wow. for. He did Jurassic Park, Terminator, Terminator 2, Aliens, 
And to me, that makes the fact that this lost yeah. to Curious Case of Benjamin Button for visual effects <laughs> even more heartbreaking. Because, I mean, this dude, I like, I haven't checked. I'm sure he won a couple Oscars in his time. But that's a bummer. But so so uh, a, a true king, uh, you know, passing the torch on to a new generation of, of, of great visual effects. But uh, that's the that's the end. I, thank you guys so much. Like, truly, I mean it. I, I sincerely mean it. Thank you for doing it. I know, like, there aren't even episodes of the show out yet. So you guys are doing this trust fall with me. <laughs> and I, I thank you so much. Uh, please, please plug yourselves. Plug you guys are both. Um, you're so talented and do so many cool things. I know I already said up top. You host MC Who, which is an incredible podcast that people should subscribe to. But yeah, talk, plug yourselves, let people know how they can find you and follow you, because I, I want to make sure everyone who just listened to you be awesome for yeah, over an hour um, gets to get more yeah, of your well, awesomeness. You can, uh, definitely find sure. MC Who uh, on anywhere you find podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we're at, we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's just at MC Who. That's M-C-W-H-O uh, podcast. Um, so find us on there and give us a listen. We have about 30, uh, nearly 30 episodes out. Um, uh, Ben is on one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, That's true. I was, I was on the Hercules. We did. And actually we kind of did a Disney musical. Actually. Uh, So yeah, find us on there, Andy. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, typically we're, we're, we're both, uh, performers, but, uh, with all the the quarantine stuff now, not much uh, is going on right now. Uh, but you can, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at APKCMO, APKCMO. Um, so yeah, I'll, I post things and there. Follow me um, on Instagram about uh, things. at Justin underscore B A R R O N six one. Um, and I also post things if you want things. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, give an elevator pitch of MC Who. We've said MC Who a bunch of times, but it's not just you guys talking about the Marvel Universe. It's actually way more specific and cool than that. So please give your guys elevator pitch of that pod, because I, sure I think thing. people who liked this episode yeah, will sure. love Yeah, uh, sure. We basically call oh, ourselves sure. the uh, official podcast of the unofficial movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So uh, basically what we do is every episode, we randomly select a lesser known character from the Marvel comics uh, world. uh, And then we figure out how to implement them into the MCU uh, by giving them their own like feature film. Uh, So we take about an hour, the first season um, we, we, we did about an hour and a half every episode, but we've shortened that uh, down to an hour um, but we basically just take an hour and, uh, with our guest and just kind of hash out what that movie would be, how to tie it in, who has cameos, all those kind of things. Uh, and then at the end, we do a little improvised trailer of said movie, uh, and kind of get a feel of what it would look like. So yeah, it's, uh, we've had a blast. I love the show. I subscribe and listen myself. Uh, with your permission, I guess I, maybe I'll end this episode with just a clip from the episode yeah, with yeah, you guys as a teaser to get people on board maybe is that, that cool? thing mm-hmm. great well awesome as always i'm ben uh you can uh if you want you can follow me on on twitter as twwb underscore band because i'm in a band called the way way back and that's the twitter handle i write all the tweets feel free to support me on patreon if you want uh you know i will shamelessly say i am currently unemployed thanks <laughs> to this awesome global pandemic and also mm-hmm. check out my other podcast, Ope Radio, O-P-E, exclamation point, radio, which is a local music podcast. Justin and Andy, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on this show. 
be be safe good i'm gonna yes, reach please. out to you guys and and make sure that we get you on more episodes D- definitely on marvel episodes but uh it'd be fun to have you on non-marvel episodes too so yeah. thank you you guys were awesome guests take care of yourselves uh and uh, thanks for listening whoever's listening to this so uh, i'll leave you on a, a clip of the episode i did with mc Hugh with andy and justin peace out be good to one another um, Bye. He, uh, let's see what happens after that he 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 has finished the labors he's in modern he's in present day and, and he thinks um, i'm the i'm the best i'm badass exactly uh give me a beat I somebody think, i was gonna say i think it's a braggadocious yeah yeah, yeah this is good yo <laughs> get it Hurt, Hercules, that's my name. You're all gonna know I am famous. And if you don't know yet, you will by the end of this rap. I captured a saber tooth tiger, defeated Hydra, both versions. <laughs> I captured a dog named Lockjaw. You all know, cause I'm gonna be the law of the land. Superheroes don't have any command. Over me, I am everybody's favorite to be. Come dress as me for Halloween. Hey, come on, everybody. Let's go to the Iron Man Memorial. Whoa. Here we all go. We're all walking past. Hey, Tony starts the best. Get out of our way. Excuse hey, me. Uh, I, but hey, I'm I'm Hercules. You guys, you guys don't know me. I'm, I'm Hercules. <laughs> I don't think I ever put the actual title of the song in there. That's My fine. Name. <laughs> yeah, that'll come in handy when we reprise it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my